Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. and running six and two start one of the best records in the nba and if you've been watching the telecasts you know that stacy king is hyped i'll tell you what i haven't heard you that excited in a number of years my friend it, it's it's real good i mean it's they're fun to watch they're exciting um you know i'm just just bull, i know bulls nation watching from preseason at first you're probably saying oh they're not playing anybody yeah you know but when the regular season started you know beating utah have an opportunity to beat the Knicks, you know, at the very end of the, and, and didn't finish, um, you know, going into Boston, being down and coming back winning. I mean, those are, those were huge, huge wins. And I mean, if you haven't noticed it, this team is, it plays with a certain swag about them. You know, they play defense. They're never out of games. You know, these games that, that are real close, they would have lost last year or the years before they would have found some way to lose. Um, but this time, you know, you know, like last night, you know, being down, you know, 18 points and thinking the game's over, no answer, you know, for what uh, the 76ers were doing early. Pools came out cold, a little lackadaisical. The energy wasn't there. And then all of a sudden, you know, something clicked. And you've seen it all year. Like, this team is this is a special team. I think they're going to do some special things. This is episode 53 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. We're excited about what's going on with the Bulls and a lot of big stories going on nationally around the NBA. Our guy Timmy Whispers is with us. Whispers, what do you think about the way the Bulls are playing right now? They're going to ruin somebody's season, that's for sure. I mean, I uh, picked them for 51 wins and... Uh, to do some He's himself on the okay, back. Here, here we yeah, go. Yeah, yeah. Here we go. Here we go, America. Here's Notre Dame. He Not, picked them. He did pick them third he in did. the East. He yeah. did pick them third in the East, and then he tried to have the audacity to tell me that yeah. I didn't say they were going to win 50 games. No, you didn't. You didn't say that. <laughs> I was the only one that said it. No, no, you weren't the only one that said it. I'm on the Bulls bandwagon from the start. They're trying to just put a post in the ground. <laughs> You're planting the flag already, right? Yes, he yeah. is planting the flag. Timmy whispers out front of everybody. Yes. Hey, we want to say a special thank you to our sponsor, Jeff Vukovic and Nationwide Vuk. Insurance. Vuk, of course, a great guy. If you have 
needs in any area, whether it's home, auto, or life, make sure you contact our guy, Jeff Vukovic. You know, when it comes to insurance for your auto, home, and business, contact the king of insurance, nationwide agent Jeff Vukovic at jeffvuk.com. That's jeffvuk.com. And, you know, Stacy, the, the jingle has taken off. It's good every night. You know what? I've started a phenomenon. Everybody is trying <laughs> to get get behind the jingle now. You know, a lot of people thought it wasn't good. Oh, I don't like to sing. Now everybody's doing it. Yeah. So I'm out. I'm, I'm Including the, I'm, your partner. Uh, well, you know what? He, he, honestly, Adam Amin probably is the second best I've ever heard sing that. And first is me. You upgraded okay. him from Tito to Jermaine. That's yeah, a pretty you know, step, no, he went it? from Randy Jackson, oh, Randy. the youngest Jackson, <laughs> to Tito, and now he's Jermaine. Because yeah. Jermaine is the second best singer of the Jackson Five. So um, I've elevated him number two. So let's hear it from the uh, the original, the original Michael <laughs> Jackson. The nationwide jingle. Remember, Stacy. Nationwide is on your side. Oh, you can't do better than that. That's, that's, that's why. Little angry orchard fueling the golden pipes. Listen, that's why Michael and everybody else is Tito, Jermaine, Jackie, and Randy, and little baby Janet. We want to thank Jeff. Uh, Jeff wow. for coming on board. Uh, he's with us through thick and thin, and we're we're excited about that. And we're looking forward to adding more sponsors as we grow here on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Because as Stacy always says, he talks to America directly, nationwide. America, America. <laughs> nationwide is on your side. And you know what I'm going to do with nationwide? I've been because you know people keep trying to get me to to sing the part that uh, Jill Scott sings. Mm-hmm. Okay, first right, of all, right, America, right. America. Listen, uh, you know, all jokes aside, I got a great voice. Okay, but it's not Jill Scott. <laughs> okay, and, I he's, great, and he's really humble. Yeah, too. you know, as an amateur, I got a pretty good voice. But Jill Scott's on another level. But when I, you, I was when watching you her. That album? Aren't you doing one this you year? You know what? I think it's time for a Christmas album. A couple listen, of listen, listen, carols, whispers, perhaps whispers. Okay, don't get something started. Okay, all I'm going to say, America is. I like the uh, Christmas album. Yeah, I did. You know what? Jingle bells, jingle listen, bells. I can hear it. Now. Oh, I can. I can do those things. I can do those things. I can sing. You know, Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer, yeah. Frosty the Snowman. La, 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 uh, right. You know, Stacy King Sriracha Christmas <laughs> yeah. album. You know what? Hey, you know what? We've been known to create yeah. these things, these phenomenons. So you know, nicknames, catchphrases, and a Christmas album. Think about how many people. Would buy me singing all these little yeah, Christmas pass favorites. Pass the hot sauce and let's yes. get jolly. Yeah. Oh, look at Mark, 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 Mark. We got to hire Mark as a PR guy. Two Mark bottles of hot sauce and one bottle of barbecue. <laughs> and she'll like it too. And she'll like it too. <laughs> did y'all? Did you see my boy Frank? Frank now. Frank, they, he just came out with another. Uh, another oh yeah, yeah. A new Genix commercial. Frank Thomas. And then yeah. you, I mean, when he when he looks into the camera and he hits that, she'll like it too. I mean, he kind of looks perverted. He kind of looks. <laughs> I, I'm going to tell Frank, Frank, you're taking that role way too serious. That's a little yeah. creepy. But, I had to look away. Yeah, I, I was like, he's like, and she'll like it too. I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, Frank, okay. So, but that's my boy, though. Shout out to Frank Thomas, one of hey, the greatest hitters of all time. Back to the nationwide jingle. We're yes. talking about Adam, and he posted on, on Twitter that he was going to be singing it. And you could see <laughs> as, as it was leading up to the moment, you know, the flop sweat and the whole thing. You're a little yes. bit nervous, right? Yes. Um, honestly, we honestly thought maybe he was going to have a, an accident. You know, uh, I was asking him, did he have the astronaut diapers on? Because we had a long time before the game was over. So there was no way he's going to get up and go to the bathroom. But he he was really worked up about it. I was really surprised because Adam is cool as a cucumber. Yeah, yeah. Like he, he goes at everything in stride. Um, and he knows hip hop references. Like we, we play off each other very, very well. And um, so to see him get a little nervous about the jingle, yeah. uh, I laugh at it because for me, 
you know, it's just me having a good time and me singing it. And I've been doing it for the longest. I can't even, I can't even remember when I started singing. It's been that long and seeing how it's caught on to like Steve Stone and Jason Benetti for the White Sox and, you know, Cubs guys doing it. Uh, I don't know if Eddie Olchek and those guys are doing it in hockey. No, but no. I don't. I couldn't see Eddie doing that. That's, that's a little too cool for Eddie. Eddie is too cool for that. Um, but you know, it's funny watching how it catch on. But to watch Adam, you know, and we, you know, I I read actually read the read. Normally he reads yeah, the read, yeah, and I do. And the, you finish, and it, I finish up, it up. Yeah. So I switched it. So I decided to read the read this time and uh, let him sing it. And you could just see him over there. Like I thought his head was like scanners. He was going to explode at any second. <laughs> and then he got up there and he did a great job. He did. Like he yeah. had a he. You know, most people who try to sing it, you know, try to get the deep voice. You know, nation. What? No, no, it's terrible. Now you got to have a little soul to it. Got to have a little sultry voice to it. You know, because really, you know, it's he took all it the, up an octave. Yeah. Well, yeah. it's it's all about the ladies. Yeah. It's all about the ladies. You know, like. You know, our our demographic is, you know, the women, you know, for Adam, it used to be for Neil too. Neil used to have the 80 year old women, you know, <laughs> grandmas, you know, my demographic was, you know, like 28 to 45. That was my demo. And then Adam comes along, you know, and, and <laughs> Adam's now, now that he can sing and he's got a good voice, yeah. you know, he's falling into that boy band age group, you know, so, <laughs> so 12 it, to yeah, yeah, 12 to 18. So <laughs> it works out because he, you know, Adam's a little guy. You know, uh, we somebody was teasing us the other day because, like, when we sit down, I'm six eleven, and he like he's like five six or something, and there's such a contrast in the height. Mm-hmm. You know, and they said we look like twins, Arnold Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't find that funny, but you know, but I saw. You can that, only raise your chair yeah, so much. Yeah, you. But you know, like I mean, we try to. You know, he's put some pads on it to make him look a little taller. Yesterday we had to do at the game in Philadelphia because we sit up so high. And uh, so we had to stand up. And so that would look awkward if I was standing up and, and he's down below me. I mean, you probably only saw his head because you would have been <laughs> filming my waist up and you would just saw probably the top of his, his eyebrows. So he moved up a couple of notches. And so when we were doing the crossover last night with uh, Jason Goff, Will Purdue and, and Kendall Gill, you know, we always have the last word in, mm-hmm. the, in the crossover, and so we're able to sneak some little shots in at the guys. and And so last night they, you know, they tried to they tried to sneak a shot in. We'll try to sneak one in on 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 Adam talking about could we could we pan the camera back so people can see actually how tall Adam really was because he was standing <laughs> on two steps to make him look like we were almost eye to eye. And so he was trying to get the America to look at look at Adam and you know like bringing the, the attention that Adam's a short guy, but we nixed that. We didn't let him see it. There you go. Let see it. Got to take control of the situation. Yes, exactly. Never so get caught off guard. He's great with uh, Greg Olson, though. Oh, he! I'm yeah, telling you, man. A- Adam is one of the most talented people I've ever worked with. Like, yeah. I mean, this is a guy that can go from doing basketball to college football to NFL football and seamlessly. Uh, women's basketball is called mm-hmm. Women's Final Fours. Um, just a really talented, talented young man. Yeah. I mean, uh, I knew right out the gate. We had some really talented people when we were bringing in. Mark was one of them. You know, but we really had a lot of people come in and try to fill that role of Neil Funk. Um, and I knew from the first day, like, yeah, this is the guy. Like, I could just tell. You know, it's just like when, you, when you, you're when you in a relationship with somebody and you first, you know, go out and you just know. Like, you maybe have a feeling with that person that you didn't have a feeling with before. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he's like, that's the one. That's that's wife material Whisper's right there. a little skeptical <clears throat> over there. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. not going to say anything. No, though. he's not going to say anything. He's sworn to secrecy. Yeah. Thirty-one yeah. years of abuse. Yeah, thirty-one years of abuse. <laughs> he, goes, he, goes, he goes with the love at first bite. Oh, see, see, see. You know what? You know, take the mic away from that guy. We're giving him a little bit more, a little bit more rope now. We got to take it away. 
But anyway, we started all this out. We just want to thank Jeff Vukovic for coming on board uh, as a lead sponsor here for Give Me the Hot Sauce. And we really appreciate everything he does. So make sure you turn to him for your insurance needs. And Stacy, you know, the Bulls have been really, to me, a revelation. I know people have said that all the early part of the season, the schedule wasn't that tough. Well, the schedule is really tough now. Ooh. They were down by 19 in Boston to come back to win that game. And DeMar DeRozan, he's 32 years old. It's his 13th season in the NBA. But the guy is still elite, and he's in his prime. Well, I mean, anybody who said that DeMar was done, um, Doesn't they, know all, they, they don't know basketball. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy, the, the DeMar that we're seeing right now, was a DeMar in Toronto. He was an elite two-guard in this league, and he's one of the best two-guards in the league. Mm-hmm. This is the DeMar we got in year 13. And it's like he's playing with a chip on his shoulder to show people, like, hey, look, y'all the people who wrote me off who said this was a bad signing, um, I wouldn't be able to fit in here. Um, you know, you could tell that he's playing with a chip on his shoulder. Mm-hmm. And the one thing he's given the Bulls, and if you if you really look at how he's played in the, in the, in the regular season and in the preseason, is that – he plays with extreme confidence in himself. Like, he knows his game. He knows where he's going to be on the floor. He knows where he's going to get his points. He's not forcing anything. Um, and it's it's kind of becoming the natural closer for the Bulls. You know, when all these other young guys are, are getting a little nervous and – you know, you saw it in Toronto when when they put a little press on the Bulls. Bulls were up like 18 or 20 points, and they came back and almost, you know, stole yeah. the game at the end. It was DeMar DeRozan at the end of the game said, just give me the ball, get out the way, we're going to win this. You know, and he's had a calming effect on Zach. You know, it takes a lot of pressure off Zach because, you know, last year, Mark, you know, you watched the games. You know, Zach would have to do this for three quarters. He'd have if, – if Zach doesn't score in these games last year, we're getting blown out. We have no chance. And then in the fourth quarter – his numbers would go down, his efficiency numbers would go down because he's exhausted. And he's and, getting double teamed. And he's getting doubled yeah. and triple teamed because teams know if you cut the head of the snake off, the body will go too. So um, this year, there's so many different weapons. Not just DeMar. You've got, you know, Lonzo Ball steps up and hits big shots. Uh, Vooch, you know. Got to get Vooch going. Yeah, Vooch has got to get going because he, he's got to be the third guy. He, he's got to be consistently, and I've said this all last year when we had Lowry out there. You know, you had, you know, you had Zach, you had Kobe. You needed a third guy. You know, and now you can now you've upgraded in every one of those positions now. So, you know, you have Kobe coming off the bench once he's healthy, but you got two of the most deadly wing scores in the game today. I mean, you look at, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown in Boston. Well, we have that here with guards in Chicago. We have two of the best scoring guards. I think they're both in the top 10 in scoring. I think DeMar is fourth in the league in scoring. I think Zach's like eighth in the league in scoring. Yeah, DeMar is at 27 yes, a game right yes, now. Yes, 27 a game. I think Zach's like 25 a game. So when you have those type of numbers being put up by two guards that can attack you from anywhere on the floor, on most nights you're going to have a chance to win. So um, this is where Vooch comes in. You yeah, know? only had four in the game. Well, and, and I'll tell you what, I mean, and I love Vooch. I thought Vooch, Vooch to me, I think what's going to have to happen is he's going to have to, his game's going to have to change a little bit. He's used to getting 20 and 10 every night. It might be 15 and 10. It might be 15 and 18 rebounds. But you got to knock down those open shots because, you know, they're playing pick and pop with him and Zach or him and DeMar, and he's getting open looks. He's just not making them. He's a, he's a 50% career shooter from the field. He's at 39% so far. This well, year. and if you look, Mark, he, he's starting to starting to be at the three-point line like Lowry was. Yeah. And then he's getting away from, you know, being in the paint, scoring some easy buckets, which then opens up your outside mm-hmm. game. The one thing that he does bring, even though he's struggling, is still forces you to have to guard him. 
Because, yeah, he's struggling shooting under 40%, but he's also capable, as we've seen in some of these games, hitting big shots when mm-hmm. it really matter for the Bulls to give them a chance to win games. It's just he's just got to find some kind of rhythm, rhythm offensively and, and really mesh his talents with the other two guys because, you know, Zach and DeMar are going to have the ball a lot. They're going to have high-volume shots because they're going to have the ball in their hands the majority of the time. And so, adjust to winning. Well, yeah, exactly. And, 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 I mean, a lot of these guys like Zach and Vooch, you know, they, they haven't been on winning teams, you right. know. Um, you know, Vooch was in Philadelphia's rookie year when they, they beat us in the playoffs. But when he got traded to Orlando, they went to the playoffs, I think, one time. Um, but it wasn't really a winning team. And so uh, this is probably the best players that both him and Zach have ever played with. So it's an adjustment for them. Because, you know, look at Zach last year. I mean, you got guys like, you know, Ryan Di- Archer Diacono, Felicio, you know, all these guys who you're clearly better than you're clearly better than and so you don't have anyone behind you pushing you you know this year they got people pushing them like you know you got demar now you know billy can say you know what i'm gonna you know zach doesn't have it tonight i'm gonna put demar out there close the game for us and we've seen demar now naturally kind of organically going into that closer role for the bulls and you know he's welcoming that that decision because he's not he's not forcing his game onto the bulls he's letting his game come to him and it's i mean a very efficient i mean look what he shot last night very efficient numbers since we've come to you last uh patrick williams went out with the shoulder injury which is really terrible for the young man i mean he's a guy that's trying to find his niche 20 years old We've told you the whole story. Didn't start at Florida State and, you know, started every game for the Bulls that he played last year. And he's just trying to find his way in a, in a veteran group, in a man's world. And now, of course, he's going to miss probably the entire regular season. You know, you feel bad for Patrick, but in his absence, Derek Jones Jr., who was not in the rotation, has really impressed me. I mean, they called him airplane mode in Miami, former slam dunk champion. And some of the plays he can make quick off his feet, block shots, run the floor, finish with a dunk really can lift the whole team. Well, he's an energizer with his athleticism. He can block shots. He can rebound the basketball. He can get out and transition and run. Um, You know, I've been really surprised that he wasn't playing earlier. Mm -hmm. They went to Troy Brown Jr. earlier, and he got those early minutes. And, you know, you got Javante Green, who's another energizer guy off the bench. But I believe, you know, he's playing out of position. You're asking really a guard to play power forward. Yeah, it's tough. And I I think, you know – what Billy's going to have to do is reevaluate that a little bit. You know, even though Javante, you're going basically going four guards, you know, four guards and one big, uh, it hurts you rebounding wise, even though he rebounds very well for guard. Um, but you throw Derek Jones out there. He's much bigger, much more athletic, gives you an opportunity to switch, you know, and pick and rolls. Um, and he's just, he's just, he's very bouncy. You know, and, and when you got a guy like that, I mean, he's blocked shots. He had a block last night on Corkmoss. Corkmoss gave him a shot fake and, and went to the basket with his left hand and was clearly beating him off the dribble. He didn't quit on the play, and his athleticism allowed him to catch mm-hmm. up and jump in the air and block this dude's shot and send it to, like, the third row. Uh, huge, huge block. And I think the more he plays, the more he gets familiar with, you know, with Billy gets familiar with his game. And, and how it transcends with the starters, I think eventually you'll see him out there because you got to have size. I mean, the Bulls are, uh, as much as they scrap and they get back in the games late in the games, you know, there's times on the court they are small. You know, they brought in Philadelphia last night, didn't get smaller when you brought in Drummond. 
You know, Drummond came in. Right. You know, Drummond is a is a premier rebounder. Okay, uh, he was always leading the league in rebounders as a starter in Detroit. Um, you know, he's bounced around the last year and a half. He was in L.A. And now he's you know with Philadelphia, uh, but he's still a, a very good rebounder. And he got some rebounds last night. You know, for Philadelphia, um, that gave them second chance opportunities. And you know. We're, 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 we're trotting some smaller guys out there, and that could be a problem later on. Are we going to see Embiid 100 times? No. You know, are there some dominant bigs? There's not a lot of dominant bigs. You know, Jokic in Denver in the West, you only see twice a year. Um, we and saw it, Gobert yeah, last yeah, Saturday. Gobert, and Gobert's really not a dominant center. He's just, he's, he's a just dominant, big. he's a dominant <laughs> defensive player, you know, yeah. rim protector. Uh, and he'll get offensive rebounds because he's 7'2", seven, 7'3", seven, but there's really not a lot of dominant big guys. So I don't think the Bulls will have problems when it comes to, you know, facing, you know, teams like that. Um, where you're going to have problems, where they're going to have problems is when you face those 6'10", 6'11", dudes that can play out on the floor and actually do something, like a Kevin Durant who can actually, you know, go one-on-one and take you off the bounce and score. So a LeBron James, you know, or, or Anthony Davis, who are athletic bigs that they can go small and use him as a, a, a small center, and that could be problems for the Bulls. And Tony Bradley's done a nice job since joining the rotation. Yes. He played some good defense on, on Drummond when they were matched up on the second unit. He's a guy that can protect the rim, block some shots. He's not going to score for you, but I think that the role that he's asked to play, he can be he can be good in twelve to fifteen minutes a night. Well, Mark, if you talk to anybody that you know, any coach that he played for, Doc Rivers had nothing but high praise for him. You know, last night in the press conference uh, before the game, uh, you had Quinn Snyder speak very highly of him. Um, you know, this kid hurt his ankle in the, in the preseason, so no one really got a chance to see him. You know, what he could do because he was hurt all preseason, didn't even really get to practice that much. Uh, he came back the first, you know, first start of the season, and now he looks healthy. Um, what he does give you is a big that is mobile. They can actually get out on the pick and rolls and cover and recover. He had mm-hmm. a play last night, and we, you know, this is why I need my telestrator. I don't know what's going on with my telestrator on the road, <laughs> but, you know, I need to get my poster machine back. So if the sky, the eye in the sky, uh, Skynet, AKA, you know, NBC Sports Chicago, if you listen to this podcast, can I get my telestrator back on the road, please? Because <laughs> it's a teaching tool. And there's a teaching play last night with Tony Bradley that I wanted to draw up to show people the difference in pick and roll defense when he's out there compared to when Vooch is out there, when Vooch is out there, he's more into the drop coverage. You know, he'll come up, but he doesn't come all the way up. And there was a play last night where I was going to draw on him where shake Milton came off the pick and roll and, you know, Vooch was playing drop coverage and he's so far off that when shake Milton comes off that screen, he basically is hitting an elbow jumper coming from the three point line. When that, that screen is set at the three point line, he's basically getting, a layup and NBA guards shooting at an elbow jump shot is a layup in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Okay. But when Tony Bradley came out there and uh, I think it was Seth, Seth uh, Curry came off the screen and he showed really big, like he literally showed his chest where Seth Curry went to turn the corner and ran right into him, which enabled the defender. I don't remember who was guarding him at the time was able to get back and recover and get in front of Seth Curry. And then Bradley rotated all the way back to Embiid and didn't let Embiid get the the you know two on one break on that. You mentioned the Celtics earlier with Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum, and I tell you what, Marcus Smart really threw a hand grenade in the middle of the locker room by saying, "Well, the problem is everybody knows that they're the guys that have the ball and they won't pass." And they wow. had a team meeting, I guess, on the flight to Orlando yes. the next day, yes. which uh, w- did not go particularly well. Uh, what what kind of dynamic is that in a locker room when you have a team leader, a well-respected guy like Marcus Smart, basically saying 
these guys are for themselves. Well, I mean, listen, he's like you said, Mark, he's well respected. You know, he's a guy that earned his stripes. He has a voice in the locker room with the, with the way he plays and the battles that he's been in over the years. So he's well respected in that locker room. You know, it's it's better coming from him than a player who only been there a year. You know, no one's going to listen to that player. Yeah. You're, you're going to listen to your your older statesmen. You're going to listen to to guys that have years in the league that you respect, and he's one of them. And depends on how the other two, Tatum and Brown, take it. Do you take it as a personal attack and 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 get feelings about it, or do you say, "Hey, he's got a point." You know, we got too talented of a team to be playing the way that we are. Here we are, you know, 16, 18 points against the Bulls. We pretty much are doing whatever we want, and then we end up losing by 14. How does that happen? You know, and he had a, he had a, you know, he had a, a point on that. And, you know, um, but sometimes when you have a young team, and those two kids are young stars, you know, they might take the approach like, hey, listen, you know what? You were 5 of 20. You really ain't got no reason to talk. Yeah, why you know, should I pass yeah, it to you? Yeah, why should I pass you? you? You you only made three shots out of 15, you yeah. know? So they could take that approach, yeah. you know? Um, but I, I think what the problem is with them right now is you got a new coach, rookie coach, and he's trying to find his way. Udoka's trying to find his way as, as, a, as a head coach in Boston. And you know you have these two talented kids um, that you don't want to, you don't want to, you know, you know, squelch their talent. You want them to play because you know every night those two guys are going to give you the best chance to win. But you've got to find some balance between the two. And one thing I, I did notice with them is when, you know, Tatum, Tatum kind of got that Kobe mentality. Like, I'm not going to pass. I'm going to get mine. I'm gonna, you, you guys are going to have to follow along. Uh, Jalen Brown, I thought, got his points within the flow of the offense. Like, he came in in that second quarter because they tried to stagger him. So when you have them both on the floor, they really they were just really wasn't doing anything. It was all Tatum. And then Brown took a back seat. He got him back in the game. And then, yeah, and then when we, we came back in the second quarter and made a run yeah, on him, yeah. they put him back in the game. They were down double digits when he came back in the game. I, I want to say probably 13. Scored like 10 in a row. Yeah, he scored like 10 in a row. And they were all threes, you know. He hit them within the flow of the offense. And what they're going to have to do is make a decision. Like, they're either going to have to learn how to play with one another or, you know, someone's going to have to – they're going to have to come off the bench. One of them's going to have to come off the bench because that's when they played the best, when they when they were both – you know, when they one was on the floor and one was off. And I think Tatum – there's a power struggle. I think Tatum thinks it's his team, and I think Brown thinks it's his team. And then you got guys who are just watching. You know, I thought Dennis Schroeder, you know – they're, they have talent. I mean, I thought Horford played well for them. Um, they've got some talent. This is a team that should make the playoffs easily. This shouldn't be a team that's getting in a play-in game at the end of the year. They have enough talent to be somewhere, you know, from, you know, four on down uh, in the playoff race. But they're too talented. they got too much talent. So keep an eye on the Boston Celtics. They've already lost a couple of overtime games this year that they should have won. They blew the 19-point lead against the Bulls. They have a losing record right now. So keep an eye on what's going on in Beantown. And speaking of, speaking of unhappy stars, your old teammate, Scottie Pippen, oh, uh, made goodness. headlines this week uh, talking, trying to promote a book that he's releasing, a new book about his take on the whole Bulls situation and the Last Dance documentary. And, and Scotty is just incredibly bitter about the way he was portrayed in The Last Dance. And the, the quotes that or the excerpts <clears throat> from the book that made uh, the social media was about the fact that, you know, he said that, that Michael could not be more condescending if he tried and that, you know, we all tried, meaning teammates tried to, to do everything to promote him and his, his beloved brand. And, and, and Scotty, you know, whatever his motives were, obviously he's trying to sell the book, but he comes across as bitter and 
and angry for, for reasons that, that are hard for me to comprehend. You played with Scotty, and I know that so many ex-Bulls say he was one of their favorite teammates, but he's, he's not presenting himself well with the way he's doing it right now. Yeah, you know what? I mean, listen, I'm always going to ride or die with Pip. He's one of the best teammates I ever played with. I, I have no bad ill willings towards him at all. Because, I mean, if I had to go in an alley or be in a foxhole, He'd be one guy, would be in there. Yeah. Paxson would be one. You know, Bill Carter would be one. Bobby Hansen. You know, those guys I would have no problem being. Tank Williams. Out. Tank Williams, Horace Grant. I mean, Craig Hodges. You know, I, I can name a whole bunch of people off that team. And there are some of the people I would want to be in a foxhole with. So I'm not going to even. Not even <laughs> no, 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 don't mention that. I'm not that. saying don't any names. That. But for Scotty. You know, I understand the way he felt because watching the last dance, he, he he was portrayed pretty bad in that, you know. And, you know, like, for instance, the 1.8 second thing, that happened before MJ came back. It had nothing to do with the last dance, had nothing to do mm-hmm. with, with MJ. There was no need to revisit that. I think so it was like a, a cheap shot. Yeah, it's a cheap yeah. shot. And yeah. then the situation of being, you know, Scotty uh, not having, not coming back because he, you know, having the surgery and sitting out and he should have had the surgery in the summer and he put his you know it was portrayed that he put his own selfish needs in front of the team which also made him look bad and it had nothing to do with his teammates it had nothing to do like i'm not playing with you guys you guys suck or it had more to do with management like his his stance was against management like he felt scotty always felt he was underpaid scotty always felt he should be one of the top five players you know paid but as you know you know if you know anything about the bulls history you know uh, no one's going to make more money than Michael Jordan, period. When, you know, Michael was grossly underpaid when he played the first time around, you know, when we won our first three championships. I mean, there was guys getting way more money than he was on other teams. I mean, Larry Johnson, who had only been in the league maybe two years at the time, signed an $84 million deal that was way more than what Michael mm-hmm. was making. Yep. Michael would never go, and I will say this about Michael, Michael would never go to the press or, or to the media to say he's grossly underpaid. So how could you when you make $100 million off the court? You know, you're, you're wearing Hanes underwear and you're making a hundred million. You know, you're, <laughs> you're drinking Gatorade, Coca Cola. So you you yeah. would look greedy if you started complaining about. And he and he had beef. He had a legit beef. He could have said that, like, hey, this, my off the court stuff has nothing to do with my on court performance. If I'm the best player in the game, I should be paid like the best player in the game. And so his first years, and you know, and one thing about the Bulls, once you sign a contract, you honor that contract. And, yeah, Jerry's and, and Jerry, right Jerry, now, yeah. Jerry Reinsdorf, why wouldn't you be? If you if you say and and you know Jerry told Scotty not to sign the contract because there was going to be more money coming in through the TV deal or whatever you know Jerry was privileged to that information he told Scotty not to sign it and mm-hmm. Scotty wanted you know from what I understand because I wasn't in the room and I'm not Scotty's agent from what I understood was Scotty wanted security because of his back injuries and stuff that he was facing going in later in his career he he took you know he took the uh, opportunity for security which most people might do because a bird in the hand beats two in the bush but once you sign that contract and you put your name on that it's done deal you can't go in there and say i want to renegotiate i want to change my deal it can't happen that way and you know what he should have probably did was listen to jerry and waited and he would have probably got the deal that he wanted to get and you know and and for him to take and like i said i love pip and pip wears his heart on his sleeve he wears his heart on his sleeve you know and that's what makes scotty scotty um you know but at the end of the day you can't come back with a machine gun <laughs> and and hit innocent people there's yeah. a lot of innocent people your your anger is at certain people then that gun should be pointed at those people well, it's it's a hard life <laughs> lesson it's it's knowing the price of everything the value of nothing 
And what he forgets is the fan base absolutely adores and loves him to pieces. And he can never lose that. And he forgets to take advantage of that. And uh, he focuses on the bitterness of just a simple documentary. Well, Scotty, throughout his career, just knowing as working in the media, he was always unhappy about something. Stacy yeah. mentioned his contract. He always felt like he was underpaid, that he'd been taken advantage of, even though Jerry Reinsdorf famously told him, don't sign it because it'll be under market in, the, in a year or so. And, you know, I think he chafed at the fact that he didn't get enough credit for the championships and all the adulation that was given to Michael. One of the things that he said in his in his media blitz this week was that I talked to a bunch of my ex teammates and they feel the same way. Did Scotty express that to you that that, that he was unhappy <coughs> with, the, with the way he was portrayed in the yeah, last dance? I talked to I talked to him. I talked to Horace. You know, and and of course they they didn't like the way they were portrayed. I mean, you know, when you when you're doing a documentary, you know, about that championship team and what they were going through their last year, that that should have been a little bit more on a positive note. You know, because like, you know, to win six championships in eight years, you know, Scotty was a big reason why the Bulls won those championships. Okay, in his mind, he doesn't get enough credit. But for the people who play with him, his peers and guys he played against, everyone knows how important he was. He would not been on the top 50 players of all time. He would not be on the top 75 players all time if People didn't recognize what he did on that team and how special a player he really was. But I think in Scotty's mind, like, that's not enough. You know, yeah, I know my boys, all the guys I play with know what I did, da da da. But I, I think there's this there's something missing as far as the national accolades. You know, because I always I always say this, you know, you know, everybody wants to be Batman. You know, you know, some people take the role as Robin, but nobody wants to be Alfred, that third guy. <laughs> but in Scotty's case, you know, Scotty feels like he's Batman. You know, I'm Batman, and he showed when Michael left, he was a number one guy. He was a number one guy that could take a team. Was that 55 uh, wins that year? Yeah, 55 MVP wins, of the MVP All-Star of the All-Star game. game, amongst other stars. And then on top of that, one bad call away from advancing and beating the Knicks, you know, from Hugh Holland's, you know, phantom call on, on <laughs> Hubert Davis. And if had that call not happened, the Bulls win that, and no telling that they get to the finals and play Houston without MJ. So, you know, he proved that he's a number one guy. And he, I'm, I'm telling you, I play with the guy. Like, I remember in the championship series, and like, you know, if since, you know, MJ wanted to put in, you know, all these, 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 these things about Scotty, you know, weren't in the, you know, in the last dance, you know, the 1.8 seconds, then you should have put in what happened in that first championship when you couldn't guard Magic Johnson and <laughs> Magic was eating you up and telling, telling Phil that he was too small, he's too small for me, and then Phil making that adjustment and putting Scotty on Magic, which right. turned the whole complexion of the series around because that's yeah. why we lost in game one because Magic was killing MJ. Was killed because of the size, and so we put Scotty on that chain. They didn't win another. That, that was it. After that, it was Sweep City. After that, because we made that change, and then all of a sudden, you know, boom, boom, boom. That changed the whole complexion of the game. And if you really want to, you really going to put in the negative things. Why not put in the positive things? But that wouldn't have made MJ look good if you put that in there. You know that we had to make that change, or we might not have won that series. You know what I'm saying? So if you're going to do all that. And you got to really show how Scotty was important to the mm-hmm. championship years because that was that was the Bulls. That was our first championship, and had feel you know not you know felt the pressure you know and and said no we got to stay with MJ on it. MJ's got to guard the best player because MJ was at that time in his position the number one defensive guard in the league. But when you're going up against a six nine Magic Johnson, 
he was overwhelmed by that. I mean, there was nothing MJ could do. So when you put Scotty on him, who has length, who's athletic and quick and can stay in front of him and, and really disrupt his passing angles, um, that changed the whole series. And that's why I, that's why I think Scotty was upset about you, 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 you know, you, in his eyes, you're, you're telling all the dirt, you're showing all the negative things that happened during that, you know, me being selfish and putting myself in front of the team. I get why he says that. And I think everyone who played with him understands that. I think the public doesn't understand that. It's I think time, time for his documentary. Well, I mean, <laughs> listen, I mean, at the end of the day, that was Michael's the way Michael looked at those last three right. championships. That was Michael's narrative. Because a documentary is is pretty much, you know, it, when you see documentaries, it's someone else's opinion of what went on. You know, like to say, you know, cameraman that followed them all year long, you know, uh, an award-winning journalist, you know, following the Bulls, you know. Uh, not the player's perspective. That's more of an autobiography. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of what that is. If you're you're telling it your point of view and how things happen and the way you saw things, you know, Scotty didn't see it the same way. Horace didn't see it the same way. Guys didn't see it the same way. The MJ says. So I think that's where that's where the problem, the disconnect happened there. One of the things that came out during the Last Dance documentary was the story of, of Scotty growing up poor in Arkansas in a huge family and his father uh, being handicapped and 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 a rough childhood that he had. And it seems like that kind of has scarred. Scotty throughout his life and you know he, he seems to always go back to dollars and cents at, at times and and one of the things I have not seen an advanced copy of the book so I don't know exactly how it's written in the book but it, it was written that he was unhappy with the organization for not offering him a meaningful role in retirement he came back he played uh, one season with the Bulls when he was hurt and didn't really get, get too much on the court but you remember after the dynasty broke up they worked to sign and trade to Houston he got a lot of money on the way out, and the Bulls organization <clears throat> took care of him. They brought him back, gave him like a $10 million golden parachute for, for two years when he only played you know half of one season, and yet he's still angry at the organization for not giving him a role in, in the front office. Well, and, and they put him in a situation where he's an ambassador, and they were right. paying him to be an ambassador where he was making a lot of money just mm-hmm. coming in, you know, every so often flying in, saying, you know, shaking some hands here and there, and he got paid handsomely for that. Um, you know, the Bulls, listen, you can say whatever you want to about the Bulls, they they take care of their former players. They do. They do. Mm-hmm. They they do a good job. But Jerry is very loyal to guys that play for this organization. And you know, I think Scotty, you know, in his eyes, you know, we, you we don't know what he sees. You know what I'm saying? I only know what I see. And you only know what you see. So that's that's how we judge things. Um Scotty's vision may be totally different and how he sees things, you know, being in the front office, you know, well, if you're going to be in the front office, think about all the guys, former players are in the front office, Mark, you, you, you look at guys in the front office, they're at every game. They're sitting there scouting, taking notes. Um, you know, they're going on. Road, they're, they're the country all scouting. Exactly. Those are the things you have to do to, to be in that position. If, you know, and I'm not saying Scotty didn't do that or he wasn't willing to do that, but you know, Scotty really doesn't want to do all that. Scotty has a life. He does endorsements outside of this. There's things that he likes to do other than just be around basketball all day. So you also got to put that into consideration. If you're a lifer, a guy who's a lifelong basketball player or a lifelong basketball junkie, you're, you're working 365, 24-7. Mm-hmm. 
You know, Tom Thibodeau, you know, 30-some years before he got a chance to be a head coach, a lifer in this game. You know, Stan Van Gundy. You know, I I, I was in Miami when Stan Van Gundy was like a part-time assistant and was running around like a ball boy getting loose balls, diving on the floor, sure. li- living in his car because Pat Riley, you know, his assistants worked like triply hard. Yeah, like, yeah. like Stan, you go and stay in his car, it looked like it was an apartment building. He had clothes in there. <laughs> he had food, you know, bags of food. He lived in his car, and he was always at work. These guys are lifers. These guys put in the time and the energy because they want to be at one point ascend to be somewhere in the organization, someone's organization. So you got to put the time in. And Scotty, you know, Scotty, Scotty, you know, Scotty's got things he's doing. Scotty's, you know, he's got kids. He wants to see his kids play. You know, he's living out in California. His his wife's in, you know, the Real Housewives of Miami. And so there's a lot of Hollywood stuff going on. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that that really kept him from really focusing in on that and you can't blame the bulls i mean listen you gotta call spade a spade you gotta put the time in the energy um you know he went after pax um i saw some excerpts he went after pax you know pax is one of the one of the coolest dudes ever like to go after pax man, he's been like, on the show yeah you know him. to go after john pax and you can you can say whatever you want to say about john as a gm okay and you can you know he was a terrible gm blah, 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 blah. no he wasn't no, he wasn't. He made some very good decisions. He got some really good players in here. But to attack John as a person, that's not cool. You know, I would never go and say anything derogatory about a teammate. You know, especially guys that you went to battle with that, that had your back, you had their back. If you got a disagreement with Pax, you know, that's something you go behind yeah. closed doors and say, hey, look, man, I don't like X, Y, Z, boom, boom, boom. You don't kind of throw him under the bus. He kind of threw Pax under the bus, which kind of surprised a lot of us because Pax is not a guy you throw up under the bus because he's a, he's a guy that's a straight up, straight shooter, and he's always got your back. And to see that happen, that was disappointing. But I understand trying to sell your book, trying to sell your alcohol, trying to sell your, your popcorn snacks all the stuff that he's doing on the side there's nothing wrong with that but you got to also remember you know the things that you're saying can affect a lot of people mm-hmm. you know to call phil jackson a racist you know listen feels a lot of things feels a jerk could be an ass could be very difficult weird you know you could give phil a lot of different tags but when i had my problems with phil I mean, there's been time, plenty of times. That's because you yeah. elbowed, elbowed him in the yeah, throat during yeah, your you know workout. What? And there's been, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah, I took him down because I thought it was Corzine. But I, listen, I, I mean, Scott Williams had problems with Phil. I had problems with Phil. But the one thing you would never hear me say, that Phil was a racist. Because no. Phil was not a racist. Phil's a lot of things, but he's not a racist. And, you know, to hear Scotty say that, you know, again, that was, you know, I know he's trying to sell a book and that was kind of disappointing because like that can affect someone that that especially in this day and age saying those kind of things that had those words have such an impact now with what's going on in this country with the diversion of, of, of you know, black and white. It's there's no place for that. And if you felt that that's something you should have told Phil directly and, and called him in the office and say that. But that was never sure, said. Should we ask Mark Brady? He's waiting patiently in the. The hey, listen, first of all, first, the of all, first of all, first of all, first of all, you, you don't, you don't interrupt me, Tim. And we're giving you a little bit, you know, whispers. You're not whispering anymore. You actually have a voice. <laughs> a yeah, more ever, ever since Kendra Lust came on last week, you know, you're starting to talk a little bit, a little bit more now. I like that. She gave me a little extra testosterone. That's just one <laughs> <what I'm saying. laughs> 
my God. Oh, extra tea. Right. A little extra tea? Oh, my goodness. All right, let's get, sure let's get, get on. Let's get on. Right. Let's get our next guest on. Mark Brady. He's, he's one of Frank Frank Thomas's biggest clients. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's looking, like it, too. Yeah. And he's, he's got a whole bottle of uh, uh, Nugenics. Yeah, yeah, we're getting ready to bring in uh, the producer for Bulls basketball and NBC Sports Chicago. Mark Brady is waiting in the uh, boom, boom room, as we like to say now. <laughs> boom, Before boom, we wrap up the talk, though, the one thing about coaching and the fact that all the hard work and, and maybe why Pip didn't want to do it. Joakim Noah, during his ceremony last week, was asked, would, would you ever want to be a coach? He goes, hell no. That's way too much work. I don't yes. want to live that kind of life. Yes, so, you and, know? And, and I'm telling you, Mark, that's what the majority of players yeah. think. They would rather go into the front office than coach because right. you have to deal with a lot of egos. Yeah. You have to deal with guys just being total assholes. Like, you know, guys not you know wanting to work out. The guys not you know coming in with excuses to practice. See, when, when I coached in the minor leagues in the CBA – and, you know, I, I, you know, I was, I was a player's coach. You know, I wanted guys to play the way I wanted to play. You know, don't worry about getting pulled out. You know, if you hear the horn, don't turn over your shoulder looking if you're coming out or not. Just play free. And, you know, but my only request with players is to play hard. You know, and and play hard for your teammates. And if you didn't play hard, I'm not going to pull you out for missing shots. I'm going to pull you out because you're not hustling and playing defense. And there's been a couple of times, man, where I almost had a Norm Van Leer a couple of guys at (laughs) halftime. You know, Norm Van Leer has been known to fight his team, you know. That's true. And and seriously, sometimes you run across these kids who have (laughs) egos who, you know, and I was still young at the time. I was like, you know, in my, my late 30s. And, you know, you run across some little you know, little punk kid that, you know, has got the nerve to say something. He's never even been at the pro level. He's not yeah, even close yeah. to sniffing the NBA. And you're trying to help him. And then all of a sudden he got something smart to say. And then I'm, you know, I'm about ready to give a Norm Van Leer two-piece without the biscuit. <laughs> you know, I've been known to do it, Mark. You know, I've been known to do it. And the pro move is when you see your sub coming to the scores table, you jack up a shot from yes. 30, right? Oh, yeah, exactly. You look over the corner, it's like, <laughs> oh, 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 oh Will, Will Produce coming in? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to take a three. I got to get one for me. I'm going to take a three. I'm going to get mine right now, baby. I'm sorry, Phil. Don't you shoot that. Oh, don't take me out. I'm pulling up, baby, from half court. Steph Curry range. Words to live by for all the young players out there. Hey, coming up next, we're going to share some stories with Mark Brady, who's been producing Bulls basketball. Did it for a long time at WGN. Now he's over at NBC Sports Chicago. He joins us next on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Yeah. Oh, I'm in a disco, baby. Dance jam. Oh, DJ Pobble. Pop up the jam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> DJ Pobble, baby. Our Russian DJ. Woo. We are back. Episode 53 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. We want to welcome in our special guest who's been very patient waiting in the Sriracha Boom Boom Room as we were going on about Scottie Pippen. Mark Brady, you know the whole Scottie Pippen story. You've been around the Chicago media market for a long time. What did you think of all the stuff you saw with Scottie this week? Uh, I think Scottie might have lost his mind. <laughs> I know he wants to sell that liquor and uh, some popcorn and other things, but um, this is Chicago, and uh, that's Michael for the step back. There's a strong opinion right off the bat. And, yes. Yeah, we should mention Mark worked, uh, he's in, in, been in the Chicago media market for a long time, producing uh, with uh, WGN and now with NBC Sports Chicago. You've done baseball, you've done basketball, and now you're wor- working with the King on a regular basis. What's, what's it like day-to-day working with our guy, Stacey King? No, no, no day is the same. No day is the same. Every day uh, is something that surprised me. I'll say something in his ear, and it'll be on the air, and it's not what I said in his ear. <laughs> yeah, he's like a ventriloquist. Like, he's behind the scenes, and, you know, his job is very difficult. Um, America, 
this is the guy behind the scenes that that makes uh, myself and Adam look good. Uh, Tamara Anderson, shout out to uh, Brown Sugar. Um, that's her nickname, America. That's not a stage name. That's her nickname. Um, <laughs> Careful now. And we got we got Russ. You know, my man Russ. He really should be called Russ Whispers because he barely ever talks. Um, and we, he should wear a Jason mask because uh, or, or a Halloween mask because that's sometimes he's a big dude. He's scary yeah, he looking. Yeah. When I first met him, I was like, God, this dude. Like he just come in with a with a knife and just start butchering us all. <laughs> Don't make him mad, baby. But we got a good team. Grim Reaper. Yeah, Grim Reaper. We got Mark Harper. Mark Harper does a good job. We got a really good, small, close-knit yeah. team. Um, you know, we travel together. We do a lot of stuff together. Uh, Mark, give them a little give them a little insight of, of what a day consists of when you get to the arena and, and what you have to do. Let the, let the listeners know, you know, what you do as a producer. Well, the easy way would be just preparing for our upcoming game. I start thinking about Saturday's game the minute last night's game ended. So I start preparing, looking at things that we might want to talk about again. I, I call you, I talk to Tamara, we start throwing ideas out there. And then by game day, we have a plan set up. I get to the truck around 1 o'clock for a 7 o'clock game. Uh, and when I get there, I pretty much am doling out this is what we need, this is what we need, this is what we need from different people. And then I go sit in the corner and watch them all work. Then around 4 o'clock, I have a meeting with the uh, studio and make sure we're all on the same page. Then around 6 o'clock, I have a nice sit-down with Stacey King and Adam Amin, and we prepare for the game, and we talk about and see if there's anything else that's come up. And then right around 6.40, we get prepared to start doing the show. And 7 o'clock, we're live on the air. Yeah, we talked about uh, Adam getting a chance to sing the Nationwide jingle uh, last game. He was a little bit nervous about that, wasn't he? <laughs> Adam so nervous in my life like he's called championship games he's done everything and this man right before we got ready to do it it looked like he was getting ready to go show support cards to his dad I was like what is going on he was terrified but I thought he did a great job and I think I, I like how Stacy put him out there yeah you know what I've had a lot of people some people try to force their, their way on stage and take the mic from me. And uh, that was a bad idea. And then there's other people I've allowed to have the microphone for just a couple of seconds. Once I realized they were terrible, I took the mic away from them and I finished it off. So with Adam, I said, you know what? I'm going to let Adam do it, you know, because I've heard Jason Benetti and I've heard, you know, Steve Stone. And I've heard a lot of these guys here in the city do it. And uh, so I wanted to give Adam a fair share. And, and you know what? I was pleasantly surprised. I didn't take the mic from him. I didn't interfere. I just let him sing it. It was it was awesome. He earned it. <laughs> he earned it. <laughs> you know, Mark, your first year uh, producing the Bulls games at NBC Sports Chicago was uh, Neil Funk's last year, and that's when they were still doing the the parade of uh, candidates marching in. And and yes. I, I worked yes. one game with you in Detroit. I remember, you know, the team flies on the charter, and I was just kind of joining them in midstream, so I had to fly into Detroit. And you know, I, I see you in the lunchroom, and I'm like, well, so what are we doing? And and you said, well, don't worry about it; it'll be fine. And it was fine. But <laughs> he said, just be yourself and don't worry about it. You know, I'm like, well, what, about all, the, what about all the commercial reads and everything else? And, and I know that that was one of the things that Neil hated to do. Oh, it? Neil like hated commercial it. Reads. Oh, man, Mr. Personality. <laughs> no, nah, he hated that, man. He, uh, he'd always like, let Stacy read it. Let Stacy read it. I mean, no I, I, no I, I, honestly, I, I, I used to say, well, yeah, you know, I, I like to read them. But, man, when you start reading like 20, 
Like your voice, yeah. your throat starts to hurt. I'm like, man, I might have to start smoking cigarettes and get that Johnny Most voice. <laughs> That's how it's going to sound before the year ends. But that had to be tough as a producer, though, with all these different people coming in from different uh, perspectives and, and coming in with their own way of wanting to do a game, and yet you're trying to produce a consistent product. How big of a challenge was that? With you, just between us, it's not brain surgery. So I like to make it sound way more difficult than it is, but it's still a basketball game. And what happens on the court, it's still going to dictate what we're doing. And I honestly, I enjoy working with a lot of different people. Like it, it made the job every day was fresh and new. And uh, then you find people you like to work with more. Like I love doing the game with you, Mark. <laughs> we had a good time. Detroit was a lot of fun. And, yes, and we did. Yes, we did. You were a, a, a part of the Cubs. You know, you were out there during the championship uh, year. That, that had to be an amazing experience. What was it like to chronicle that team as it was marching towards the championship? And, and I remember Anthony Rizzo saying, we boat raced to that title. And, and it, was, it was kind of a, a march where it was almost a coronation until they got down three games to one in the World Series. I will tell you this. I find the seasons before you're a great team to be the way more fun like this year's bulls team not knowing what's going to happen is that cubs team after about two weeks in we were like okay this team's probably going to win but when you have a team that you don't know what it's going to do and every day is a oh wow we beat we just beat utah oh my god we just beat it's a to me i enjoy that way more that was way more fun to me the season before when the cubs weren't supposed to be good and all of a sudden they were in the playoffs and they beat St. Louis. But the actual championship season was all pressure, it felt like to me. Like, oh, now if we don't win, it's a letdown. So it was it was amazing. Um, after seeing six championships with the Bulls it, and doing two years of Black, excuse me, three years of Blackhawks champion, oh, Stanley Cups, it wasn't any bigger. Everybody said that the Cubs winning would be the biggest thing ever in right. Chicago. It was big, but... Six championships still outweighs one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah, Mark, speaking of that, because you, you know, you've done everything. You've done hockey, baseball, you know, you've done some, some college games, and you do the Bulls games. Um, I know basketball is your favorite sport. You know, I, I know that. So, and, and, you know, that's awesome. Tell, tell the listeners about your experiences during the championship years because, you know, you're, you're there. You're behind the scenes. You know, you're working with the great Johnny Rigg, Kerr, Tom Doerr. You know, you're working with, you know, Jim Durham. You're, I mean, these, all these great Wayne Larravee, all these, you know, iconic figures. You know, give us a little behind the scenes what it was like working with those guys and then working with that team during the championship years. Well, I was the stage manager for the, um, for the, for the Bulls in 93. Now, I remember my first day, they called me in. Somebody couldn't come to work. They said, hey, Mark, can you go down to the United Center? No, excuse me, it wasn't the United Center, the old Chicago Stadium. And they said, uh, you're going to be handing papers to Johnny Kerr and Tom Dore, and you'll be also um, queuing when the anthems start. And, that was, and the Bulls were playing Portland. It was the year after they beat Portland the first time. Now, I remember sitting there at half court. Michael comes over, does his dust off. He does it to Johnny, but I'm standing next to him, so he does it to me. <laughs> and I remember at the end of the game, uh, somebody said, hey, you got to fill out your paperwork to get paid. And I was like, oh, I get paid for this. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah, okay, this is nuts. This is nuts. And then all the different times of just being a 24-year-old and seeing, like, every hero you ever thought you could see, you're like, oh, there's, there's Michael. First of all, there's Michael walking into a room. There's never been – anybody more charismatic than Michael Jordan in basketball. When he walks in a room, things get different. 
So just to be in that that aura when you would see uh, Mike, the one night when Mike might have got lit up by somebody and he shows up for shoot around and everybody's just sitting there watching Mike shoot around at five o'clock. And then to work with Johnny Kerr, I was a kid watching Johnny Kerr. So just Johnny Kerr was like a legend before, before I met him and then just to work with him and then he became bigger with, with the Bulls winning more championships. But the behind the scenes of that whole situation was like following the Beatles. I, I remember getting off the bus and just having people stare at me because I was with them. I traveled mm. with Sammy Sosa. That was a lot like it. When, the, when Sammy Sosa was at his peak, we would get off the bus and people would just be waiting and just trying to touch. But nothing would be like that, 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 that era of the Chicago Bulls. I'm sorry. It was just before Twitter, before Facebook, before all that. They were, you had five channels to watch. And they were on. And when they were on, you watched. We saw in the pandemic, the last dance made people come together. It was like literally appointment television because we all had a chance to relive those days. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I mean, I lived it too. I mean, I was part of the Beatles, and uh, I, I, I remember. I tell people all the time, like this generation of players. I, I can only go by what we see here in Chicago. The, when we get off a plane here, and then we get off, go to a hotel. You might see before the pandemic, you'd be lucky if you saw ten people standing there waiting yeah. to get autographs. You know, when we rolled into town, it was literally like a rock band. There'd be, I'm talking, five hundred to like a thousand people, like. And that's when you used to go in the hotel. See, now you got security. If you're not staying in the hotel, you can't go in. But back in those days, like people would actually be in the hotel. So when you walked in, you know, being a young kid, like 21, 22 years old, it was like, it was like going into a candy store. Like you'd be seeing all these like tens, like model girls, like all just beautiful, beautiful girls from all different walks of life. And it, you just go in there and you go, you. Uh, room 1224. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Wow. I just yeah. did a feature look out there. I mean, seriously, 21 years old. I won't lie. One time, at one point, I remember I told somebody I was B.J. Armstrong. I was yeah. like, yeah, how, how, well, how, how well do you know basketball? Not that well. <laughs> I'm DJ. Yeah. I used to, I used to like, we used to go in and we'd be like, when they'd have parties for us, you know, we'd come into a city and like, Oh, Michael Jordan, the bulls would come in and then they'd have a party for the bulls. And we'd all, that was the night we used to stay the night. Cause we used to fly commercial. And so, so we'd go to these nice cities. It could be LA or whatever. And they block off parties for us. And then there'd be all these girls. Like, you know, I would, me and BJ would just kind of sneak in. We just kind of floating in like sharks, you know, trying to catch the, the little bit of some seal over here that might've been bitten. And we want to get that, you know what I'm saying? Cause you know, MJ can, and, and, and the, the older players couldn't have everybody. Right. So, so everybody can't go home. So that's how we played it. So me and BJ would always walk up to him and say, hey, look, you know, what are the chances of you getting with Scotty? Come on. What are the chances you get with Michael? Come on. Come on. Hey, listen, we're 21 years old. You can get with us. Come on with us. <laughs> and The and king's lo, still smooth. Hey, lo and behold. Like butterscotch. Uh, I, listen, smooth. I thought, hey, hey I, I thought college was bad. Like when I was in college, I thought high school was bad because, like, you know, you had girls after you in high school, you know, but it wasn't like it was in college. When I got to college, I was getting the old Polaroids of like, you know, girls sending pictures on the Polaroid. America, I can't tell you what they were sending, but you just, you can imagine the pictures you were getting Polaroid, uh, America. They were really nice. They were birthday suits. Anyway, I thought that couldn't get any better. 
And then I got to the pro game. I was like, oh, Allah, it's like Willy Wonka. I was like, I like, I want a golden ticket, baby. Oh, Allah, where's the chocolate fountain? Oh, over there, I'm going. I can lick the wall. This with this blueberry and raspberry. Oh, Lord, America, I'm flashbacks right now. I'm sweating right now. It's hot in here. Oh, let's get back to the interview. I'm sorry, America. I got off track for a second. I'm sorry. <laughs> Brady, see, this is what you do to me. You make, you, you make me reminisce about yes. going down memory lane. Yes. I got to get back yes. on track. Yes. Let's get back yes. to our serious yes. face now. Stacey Dunn losing his mind. Oh yes, I done lost my mind. It's oh, gone. Oh my goodness! Hey, you work with part of being a producer. Part of being a producer is to put words in Stacey's mouth and then uh, deal with it later. <laughs> <laughs> no, but seriously though, like we have such a good time. Like, you know, it, it doesn't even feel like a job. Like, you know, seriously, Brady comes up, you know, Brady's first of all is easy going. Like, okay, this is what we're going to do. What do you think about this? Yada, yada, yada. If I don't like it and say, let's change it, he'll change it. There's no argument, you know, and we travel with a small group. It's not like we travel with a hundred people. And so we all have relationships outside of, it's not just work. Yeah, you know yeah. what I'm saying? It's, we're all friends and, you know, Brady's been doing, you know, he's been doing this for a while with me. So uh, this is my 16th year and, you know, Brady, before it was WG. And it was Comcast and they had two different entities. Exactly. And, you know, I always enjoyed working with Brady because I was like, man, Brady's fun as hell. Like he just and he'll say funny things in your ear and you have to be careful because, you know, sometimes you get locked into what he says and you may blurt that out. You know what I'm saying? So I've learned have to have to have like a filter with Brady because Brady be saying it's like broadcast news. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Just like uh, what is it? What is uh, Ron Burgundy? You know, yeah. You know, you supposed to be saying something and you saying something that someone's telling you what to say. So you got to be careful with Brady because he'd be saying. There's, there's one show there's a show that airs over the air and then there's a show that airs between me and Stacy and inside yeah. the truck and the one that airs inside the truck is slightly better but unairable <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's it's all fun and games but we know that the people in this industry can have very uh sensitive feelings and huge egos at times without naming names mark brady did you ever have a run-in with a talent that you that that you just could not get past, or that you tried to sell somebody an idea and they, and they reacted hostily towards? Nah, because the good thing about it, when you lay back, the one time I do snap usually has an effect. So I've never really had <laughs> to, you know what I mean? Like I I don't usually snap, but if I snap, you know, it's probably because I had no choice. And I've been lucky. I've literally worked with legends in the game, and now I work with like. The play-by-play guys I work with right now are Jason Benetti, Adam Amin, mm-hmm. Mike Monaco. Those are guys like you would dream to work with. And then the guys, the color guys I work with, Steve Stone, Stacey King, um, JD, they, they're all – I haven't worked with that evil guy where you're like, uh. Now, I won't lie to you. I didn't really like doing hockey. Yeah. <laughs> but that wasn't really – it had nothing to do with anything other than the fact that – uh didn't really like hockey that much. <laughs> yeah. I, th- I thought you were going to give us a Wayne Larrabee story since he's gone over to the green and gold. You know what? I can't say anything bad about Wayne Larrabee. <laughs> me and him met up at the right spot. Like, like me and him, we vibe the same way. So I can't really. No, I Wayne's can't cool. Wayne. Yeah. Yeah, that, yeah, I can't Wayne. hate on Wayne. Yeah. Wait, wait, yeah. Wayne, Wayne's deep. Yeah, and you know Brady did hockey. You know you don't see a lot of black people doing hockey. Let's do the hockey. Yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. So, so, so for him to slide over that's here and do basketball, you know, that's what he's that's been wanting to do. You know, so you wake up at you wake up in Edmonton and it's uh, minus yeah. thirty five outside. Ooh, like, yeah, yeah, good. Ooh. And, and they got two half times. I've never liked the two half times. I don't get that. So yeah, see, I I'm, yeah, I, I yeah, Stacy. When I first started in Chicago, it was nineteen ninety. It was in April. 
And the first thing that Simon and I got when I started at Channel 7, they said, we're going to send you to cover the Blackhawks in the Stanley Cup playoffs. I'm from Milwaukee, which you'd think would have a hockey team, but they don't. So not a big NHL fan. They send me to Edmonton, and you fly, and you land in this airport. It's in the middle of nowhere. Oh, yeah. There's nothing to see. And you go, you go yeah. into the city. It looks like an old western or something, you know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's yeah. these yeah. old running down there, and, and, and they got these coins called loonies and stuff. And I'm like, I'm yeah, like, loonies, I, am, and am I in a different planet? <laughs> you know, I mean, it is strange. It was, it was definitely a culture shock trying to get used to that. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I live in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. Oh, Lord have mercy, <laughs> you ain't seeing nothing. Oh my goodness. Oh. Yeah, the Dakotas in general, North Dakota, South Dakota, a lot. America, I'm not offending anybody who lives in South Dakota, but it's not a place I would go vacation. Sorry. But then the thing is, you know, when I I got there, and again, I didn't know the protocol, and and the cameraman says to me, you know, during the skate around, you know, you're kind of in the bench area as media, and they go, well, just, just call a guy over. He'll come over. So, like, Mark Messier, hey, Mark Messier, I want an interview. He just skates right over, and he does, he does three or four minutes, nice as could be. And, and I was, I was, I was a fan basketball. of hockey guys after that. That ain't happening in basketball. No, no, it ain't no. happening in basketball. No, no. Patrick Kane probably Patrick Kane would wash my car. Like they're nice guys, yeah. nicest guys in the world. They'll they'll, they'll they'll change a tire for you, but <laughs> they also play hockey. That's true. The Lady Bing, Lady Bing Trophy. Yeah, Lady Bing, and that given to the the nicest guy and the most friendliest person. Is that what you would have gone for if you were on skates, Stace? No, no, seriously, I'd have been knocking people out because that that would be the only way I could legally do it. Like I'd be like Ty Domi, I just be or Bob Probert. I just want to fight. I don't even I don't even want to have any kind of hockey skills. I just want to get in the penalty box, beat somebody up, go sit for a few minutes, and come back out there and find a guy beat up and beat him up again. Stacy King hockey player. Somehow uh-huh. I'm having a tough time uh, picturing that. <laughs> no, seriously, I would really like to kick somebody's ass. Seriously, because like you might be mad at your coach. The coach has made you, you know, skate laps. I don't know how to, we used to run sprints and suicides. I yeah. don't know what they do on skates. So I'm sure they do the yeah, same thing. They still do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. And I'd be mad. I'd be like, man, no, man, I don't want to be doing this, coach. So I'm going to take it out on somebody. So I'm going to pull a Ty Domi or Bob Probert. I'm just going. Could you imagine me six eleven out there skating, beating somebody up? Oh man! No, I can't imagine that. Because they, and they don't fight fair. See, they they grab your shirt, hold your head, you know, hold your shirt, pull you over down. your head, so you can't. Yeah, move your see, arms I can in. see. I can see one of them little dudes trying to do yeah. me like that. It's you like know. when you fought that one armed girl back in Listen, Oklahoma. You know what? You can't keep bringing that up, man. Okay, that's <laughs> that's you know. First of all, that's no one needs to know about that. We already talked about it. In episode probably nine. Where you know we moved it's, on. It's Mark. a classic, Mark. Though. We moved on, and you keep bringing it up. It's it's, 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 a, it's a memory I try to forget. I had someone bring that up to me a couple weeks ago. Hey, man, did you really get beat up by the one-armed girl? I said, hey, look, man. It's the only I fight said, you lost. I said, that's the only fight I lost. I'm 101 and one, okay? She's and a guest that, next week. She's a guest. <laughs> we found her. They found the one-armed girl. Oh, she was playing cornhole. She was out, She's a cornhole champion in uh, Oklahoma. So you see, this, see how forget, we get off forget track? Forget the fugitive. Stacy's got his own yeah, story. See how we get off track, Brady? This is what I got to deal with. I hear yeah. the, the attacks. Well, what Brady's trying to say is hockey's a lot like women. What's that? What's that, Whispers? Just not interesting uh, when people take a shower after two periods. Wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Okay. All right. Uh, we just lost five sponsors. We just lost five sponsors because of Whispers. America, oh. you have to excuse Whispers. Some of the things that come out of his mouth is not scripted. These things just pop out. <laughs> Can we edit that out? That I think bad? we're going to have to try. Yeah, it. we're going to have to try to get that out. Okay. Oh, my gosh. That, that, that sent the hat backwards on Mark Brady. Yeah. I thought Mark enjoyed it. Yeah. So, Mark, tell 
tell, tell us tell us what it was like working with Johnny Red Kirk. Uh, because like I tell people oh. all the time, it's always hard to replace the guy. Like I I wasn't oh. really I wasn't really like didn't really want to do that, you know. And the opportunity presented itself to work in that three man booth. But you know, you work with Johnny for a long time. So so tell the listeners how how what the experience was working with oh. the legend Johnny Red Kirk. I have never worked for, like like Johnny comes from an era where being a homer was like like Johnny was ready be ready to jump over the table and Kirk got the rest. Like the Bulls, I don't think during that era ha- ever had a good call against them. Like every foul was like, oh my god, oh, my god. <laughs> oh, oh. I mean, I learned most of the refs' names because of Johnny Kirk crying and screaming about how a ref was just awful, but. Johnny, that all that being said, I mean, he went to Tillman High School, Illinois. He's, he's, he went to the University of Illinois. He's, he was a legend and a, and way more comical than you would ever believe. Like a pretty funny guy, a, fu- a funny guy, and he was the fifteenth member or the sixteenth member of that Chicago Bulls championship mm-hmm. team. Yeah, no question about that. Hey, speaking of uh, Bulls teams, what do you think about this squad? I mean, they, they've kind of come out of the gates like a house of fire. DeMar DeRozan playing at an elite level. And the city of Chicago is getting behind them really quick. Part of that's because the Bears are bad and the Blackhawks have got all kinds of issues right now. But th- legit, this is, a, this is a really good team that is going to be interesting to watch throughout the season. Is that, how does that impact you as a producer? I mean, do, do, are there things Thanks you want to do to, to, to tell job. My yeah. job right now, I can I can throw a dart at the wall and I'm, I hit a story. Like it's yeah. especially no, like no, like not to not to uh, throw dirt on teams in the past, but the last two years trying to develop stories that aren't stories. Yeah, and now it's 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 what do we want to talk about? Who, who who do we leave out of tonight? Who, who who do I who do I come back? Like I'm planning on games like the West Coast trip we're going on. I'm thinking about that right now, and I won't lie to you. The last couple of years, I was going game to game because it just wasn't that kind of thing you planned ahead. Right. And this is like, for me personally, this is the kind of team I like. I like a six where everybody's between six six and six eight. Dudes are running up and down the court, and it's it's dunks, it's it's blocks, it's steals, it's it's fun basketball. And uh, for me, thus far, this is the most fun I've had doing basketball, doing any sport. I love that. Can they be this good? Like this, it just makes my job too much, so much easier. And with us traveling right now, the last year was completely different. And now we feel like we're kind of like part of the team that we're traveling. So you feel like you have to be more invested. Stacey wants his Telestrator back, though, and his poster yeah, machine. Yeah, I need my poster machine back. I need my Telestrator back. And, uh, you know, Mark, we've had this discussion. And um, <laughs> I don't hold you responsible for any of this. Uh, it's the powers that it's be. above my pay grade. Yes, and, and grade. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to I'm gonna have to make a few phone calls. And uh, we need to get that back. I need to get it back as it's soon as possible. Happen. I promise you it will happen. It will happen before the trade deadline. Wow. It's a long time. It's no, a no, long freaking time. Wow. <laughs> wow. See, America, all our listeners, you know, all the people who are petitioning for the post machine, uh, y'all heard this. Coming heard, soon. Yeah, it's coming soon, like in 2022. Uh, yeah, no, I'm thinking Saturday. Oh, nice. Okay, well, I hope so, man, because I, I feel. Do, I, do, 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 do. 
Yeah. I feel because <laughs> <laughs> I feel honestly, I feel naked without it. Like that is like a part of me. I've been doing it for 16 years, and you know, I, I just feel like you know, just like your right arm. You feel like you don't have it, you know. And there's so many teaching moments, especially when you have a good team. See, when you have a good team, there's so many moments that you know are teaching moments to show people how guy got open yeah. or how defenses are playing both Zach and Demar now. You know, compared to last year when Zach was by himself and and the whole team, four people are running at him. You know, uh, so there's missing. You're missing so many you know opportunities to show the game, especially to people who don't know the game. Yeah. You know, like the grandmothers who don't know the intricacies of the game, like what's a what's a one three oh, yes. pick and roll and stuff like that. So those things are so important, and I'm pretty good at it. I'm probably you know I'm not two mile and horn Hong Kong. I'm one of the best. <laughs> I'm a telestrator, and then with all the little added stuff that my man you know Mark Harper puts on there, the autographs and the dunk machines and stuff like that. Because I remember back in 2005, 2006, you know, I used to do it by hand. You know, I used to just scribble names and people go, oh, my God, he got an autograph. And really, it was me just making, you know, making a name. <laughs> and, 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 you know, it just didn't, it didn't seem right. So I said, man, it'd be pretty nice if we can get the players right. to do the that. Actual and, and I think we were one of the first teams to do that. Like, we were the first yeah. group to use finger works. Uh, I was the first analyst to use finger works. And then all of a sudden, people started, you know, catching on. Like, oh, that's pretty catchy. And then they started doing it, too. Yeah. And, you know, so we're trendsetters here in Chicago. We've always been trendsetters. And, and it goes with the Nick names and the catchphrases and just the way we do games and how people watch the presentation we're trendsetters i think that maybe the best way i know how we can make that that telestrator happen if maybe we had a sponsor like um maybe a podcast sponsor yes you know what hey we we, we were looking into that you know um you know of course you know you know they have to allow us to do it they have to allow us to put our, yeah. our name on it you know because we're you know we, we we were like nipsey hustle we were selling we're selling out of the back of our truck but we've become <laughs> so big now mark we're you know we're so big now we're a name out there we're one of the best podcasts in chicago and so now you know we're moving and shaking so now we might have to revisit that you know and then hopefully they give us a fair price you know you know what i'm saying they give us a fair price i may have to negotiate that in my contract that's coming up we'll give you the player discount we we'll give you the player discount. yeah they should they uh, should they before, should I, I okay so before before i go i don't know what i'm going but i want to make sure we talk about the night stacy broadcast baseball oh Ahead, yeah, I was yeah. producing that game. Yeah, yeah. Two, hour, two hour rain delay. He loved yeah. every second. Yeah, of I it. loved okay. every second. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, Brady. Tell you, about I'm it. I'm gonna tell you all about the energy. Stacy came in that building with energy at six yeah. o'clock. He was ready right to up. go. <laughs> and then, uh, and then we were ready to go on the air. We we're ready to go, and it starts to rain. And um, I don't know if you ever seen like the energy, like you're playing a video game, and the energy level is at. It's, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, all of a sudden, his energy level started going down. Yeah. Then he made a phone call. He made ordered some food. He tried. And, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, the, the, the driver uh, was terrified to get out of his car and just kept going around in circles. So yep. his energy level dipped a little bit more. <laughs> yep. And then they and then they decided they wanted to start the game. And right at that point, uh, Stacy's energy level was flat. <laughs> Flatline. So, so 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 the first the first inning starts and Stacy's doing the game and he's like this. That was a nice pitch. <laughs> and um, I turn, I look at Tamara, and I'm like, is it just me or is Stacy whispering? And I'm like, I said, uh, all right. Because I, I tried to be professional about it. I don't ever try to come in and like, hey, you, you don't sound right. So what I said to Stacy is, uh, you're doing your golf voice, bro. 
<laughs> and literally the look on his face because I could see it and he just starts laughing and the rest of the game was, we had a, blow, a ball but that first inning when it was 9 o'clock it was 9.05 I think it was like one out in the first inning and Stacey looked at that clock and he was like what have I got myself yeah. <laughs> and hey. you could hear it in his voice you could hear it in his listen, voice listen America you know I, I was a crossover and I slid on over into the seat you know, Steve Stone. <laughs> and I thought it was going to be a quick game. I thought it was going to be a fun that game. That never because, happens. Because the Sox were rolling at that time. Yeah. They were playing really well. And there was no offense. They had some errors. And then, you know, it was uh, it was just the rain delay kind of zapped me. And you're thinking, I, I'll get yeah. back home about 3, yeah. 3.30 in the morning. Oh, I got yeah. home like 2.30. Like, I was sitting there. I was driving. I had a driver. Americans, I don't drive that late. So I had a driver take me back home. And I was just like, I cannot believe this game took this oh, long. Oh, yeah. You know, yeah. it was supposed to start like oh. 6 o'clock. There's no clock in baseball. It was almost like if you wanted to teach somebody how lucky they are. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But you're we, doing we basketball. We put him on the other side. We put him yeah. on the other side, and he saw that grass, and he was like, "Nah, this grass is brown." Yeah, I'm yeah. Up. And you know what? And I got good reviews. People love me. And you know what? They said, "Oh, you got to do another game." I said, "The only way I'll do another game is it's a, it's a day game, like one o'clock in the afternoon." Day game in San Diego. And, uh, yeah, no San chance Diego, of rain. Los Angeles, somewhere like that. I'll do it. I, I would even do it. I would do it in Chicago. I would do it in Chicago. I, w- I would really like to be at the game because yeah. you know we did basketball last year with COVID and we didn't we didn't actually get to go to the games you mm-hmm. know and at home we were but there was no crowd there and it's so much better and Brady will tell you it's so much better now you mm-hmm. know with the fans Thanks, being there the energy's there even if I come to the game you know tired you know, mentally tired. As soon as that red light comes on, man, I just get energized. And the in the crowd, the noise, and everything. I mean, it, it's it's an amazing transformation. Mm-hmm. You know, compared to you know last year when it was like you know we'd go to Channel Five. And it was really cool because you know America doesn't know what we were doing behind the scenes. You know, we it was so nonchalant there. Like you know, you would see I'm gonna give America. I'm gonna give you a little secret what we were doing. Okay, so we we go to W was it WMAQ? Yeah. Okay, so we go there, and me and Adam, we would be dressed from the waist up in a suit and tie. But waist down, we could be in pajama bottoms. We could be in shorts. You know, we didn't no, matter. Again, no. It didn't matter. You yeah. didn't see it. And it was so easy to get in and get out. And okay. and it was just, we had so much fun, you know. Um, but you miss being at the games. I, I did not know how important it was to actually be on the floor, to listen to the calls of the referees, the bouncing of the ball, uh, and what, the the players, what the players are saying. You know, when you're not out there, you can't hear any of that. You know, mm-hmm. we you can't even hear the ball bouncing. So it was very frustrating. So I, I, I was so happy happy this year when we able, we got the fans back in the arena and uh, the energy levels back and we're having fun and we're winning that's the whole key we're winning we had a good yeah. basketball team it was just the other day Stacy showed up he had had a long day and I saw him in the hallway he looked a little rough and uh, <laughs> this, this was probably about 20 minutes before air and I'm like oh this is going to be rough and I swear to God we go 3, 2, 1 you would not have known a thing it's like <laughs> It was like his little incredible Hawk moment where he turns green and everything's okay. <laughs> that was true because Adam made a comment yeah. too. Y'all was all worried about it. Like, oh, we're going to have oh, to yeah. – because I'm a one-take guy. Like, you never – with me, you never have to take two takes. Yeah. I've been I've been there. I'm like a one-take guy. So they just knew, oh, we're going to probably have to do a take. I know we're getting close to the hour. Oh, are we going to be able to get in? Man, as soon as that light came on, I, like, yeah. like, like DeRozan and, and Zach are professional scorers. I'm a professional analyst. Okay, Mark, it's like your voice in the podcast. As soon as he hears it, he's on. <laughs> yeah. Was that the week you were moving? 
Yeah, that was I was moving and then like trying to get you know trying to I mean I couldn't find my suits I yeah. couldn't find it was like it was like Easter egg hunting in my house the movers had <laughs> and hey shout out to Corgan they did a great job of moving me out there but um, I couldn't find any of my clothes it's mix and match and yeah. I'm like man so the pressure of that and anxiety of moving into a house at that time that was probably the worst time to be moving in someplace I should have moved in earlier you know hindsight's twenty twenty yeah. you know next time I move it'll be a time where I'm the season hadn't started yet you know what I'm saying but I got there you know like I said I'm a professional analyst and you know i can come up there with two seconds left to go before the red light comes on and i could be frazzled and i will do it to a t i'm a professional analyst oh oh there you go oh that's a dj power right there man way to go the professional's professional yes mark brady thank you so much for joining us on give me the hot sauce continued uh, success over at nbc sports chicago it's going to be a fun bowl season and you and Stacy and Adam are gonna have a great time. Hey, we need, on the you know, Brady. You know, I'm gonna throw this out here to you, Brady. Okay, we need we need to get us an Emmy, man. I mean, we we put some world class <laughs> uh, material out there. I don't know, you know, no you know, we you no know, we, we need to get us an no Emmy. You know, we need to get us an Emmy, man. So let's just let's I just think throw that's that out coming there. for you guys. Well, you know what? We, hold, we on gotta, hold on. He didn't say win one. He said get one. Yeah, yeah. We gonna get one. So we we need we need we need you know you know sometimes you need people in your corner to push it push it through. You know we got to have somebody backing us. The the eye in the sky. There you go. Is out there. So yeah. So yeah. Let's get us one, Brady. All right, Mark. Have a great time on that West Coast trip coming up, and uh, we'll look forward to talking to you again, Mark (laughs) Brady, (laughs) our special guest on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Hey, we're back. Episode 53 of Give Me the Hot Sauce. We know who's Michael Jackson in this group. Stacey yes. King. Yes, you know. I'm glad you, I'm glad you recognize that, Mark. You know. I, I saw you were upset over the uh, Tuesday, actually, was when the uh, college football rankings oh. came out, the first one. How, oh. could, how could an undefeated Oklahoma team be eighth? Oh, man, come on. I Listen, listen, America. <laughs> I know I'm a homer for my Sooners, okay? But what's right is right and what's wrong is wrong, yes. okay? If you got one loss, I don't care what... The, the, the strength of schedule, I don't care. Alabama, I'll give you Alabama because Alabama arguably is the second best team in the country behind Georgia. Could be number one. Texas A&M? Okay, but, but they, they're still, if you put Alabama on the field against Texas A&M on a neutral field, they mop them up. Okay, let's just be real. If they're in the playoff series, they beat them by 30. But those are the only two teams that I say that even should be above Oklahoma. Okay. okay? Ohio State, no. Michigan, no. Cincinnati, Hell to the no. Michigan okay? State? Michigan State's undefeated. Yeah. I'll give them their due. Yeah. I'll give them their due. I'll put them, but they're not going to stay undefeated because don't they, they still got to play Ohio State? They play State? at Ohio State, yeah. Yeah, well, they're not going to be undefeated after that yeah. game. And then Ohio oh. State now will leapfrog up into the top three with that win. Okay, but as it starts now, the first poll, that's a bunch of bullshit. Seriously, Oklahoma undefeated. I understand there's a couple games, you know, that they, they probably shouldn't have won. It was a lot harder. But listen, since they made the quarterback change, uh, with Caleb Williams over uh, Spencer Rattler, that was the best thing Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley did. Now they now they look like a powerhouse team. They can put up 30, 40 points on you. Their defense is still suspect, but it doesn't you know hide the fact that they're eight and zero, nine and zero right now, and they should be in the top four. Yeah, I agree. No question about it. Do you think the committee did Cincinnati wrong? They checked in at six. They're second in the AP in the coaches poll. Now they beat Notre Dame, but the rest of their schedule is pretty weak. What do you think about where Cincinnati's at? <sighs> Cincinnati fans, you're probably not going to like what I have to say. 
They got crappy chili in Cincinnati, too. You know what? That was Mark Janowski. I didn't say anything about y'all's chili, okay? So if you if I go to a restaurant in Cincinnati, don't poison my food. You get Mark Janowski, okay? Skyline Chili. Skyline Chili. See, he called the name out. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. He called the name out. I don't don't think they're going to be sponsoring us anytime soon. No, no. Way to to ruin our chance there, Mark. But seriously, though, listen. uh, Cincinnati, they're undefeated, and I give them that. But the the conference they play in, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I know Houston. I think Houston is seven and one, and SMU. Then, and SMU is seven and one. But neither one of those teams could beat any of the top seven teams in the in the poll. And so I, I got to say, they beat they beat Notre Dame. Then they beat them at Notre Dame. Yeah, that was impressive. That was, good that, that was impressive. That was a huge win. But let's be real. If you're at, if you're going to have a college football playoff and you put them against Alabama and Georgia, what do you think they're going to do? Not well. They get blown yeah, out. They get blown out. Yeah. So I think the voters have to really take that in consideration. Are they really a top four team? I know their record says it, but are they really a top four team? You put Cincinnati against Oklahoma. Oklahoma beat Cincinnati. They may have a. I have to say Cincinnati will have a better chance against Oklahoma than they would against Georgia and Alabama. But Oklahoma still would win in a shootout. Let's say the score would be 35 to 34. I still think Oklahoma would win. But to not have Oklahoma in the top four after being undefeated, and they pay, they passed all their tests. They beat who they're supposed to beat. You know, they beat Texas, you know, basically at a home game in Texas in the Cotton Bowl. Mm-hmm. You know, they still got to play Oklahoma State, which is always a – doesn't matter what the records are. That is a tough, tough game. They've gone on the road and beat some teams. Um, they probably got some wins they probably shouldn't win. They, you know, they had a tough time against Kansas in, in, in Lawrence, Kansas. Um, they were losing that game up until the fourth quarter. So that probably weighed heavy on the minds of voters like – like maybe they're not as good as we think they are, but to have them eighth or ninth in the poll, that's a joke. I mean, if you want to put them fifth, put them fifth. But anything lower than fifth was a joke. Well, it's all going to sort itself out because Alabama is going to play Georgia in the SEC championship yes. game, and we'll, we'll figure out, you know, if Alabama loses that game, they'll they're be still, out completely. No, no, they won't. No, they won't, Mark. They're going to put a two-loss Alabama team in there. Watch what I tell you. A two-loss yeah, Alabama two team. Alabama. You heard it here. Because, because they're going to look at Alabama's loss to Georgia basically being a situation that you're facing the number one team in the country. What depending, if they get blown and out? Depending on how they lose. Yeah. I, don't see them, I don't see them getting blown out. Yeah. I see that game being kind of like a really tough game because both of them have very good defenses. Um, Georgia, I'm not sold on their offense. I, their defense is defense top-notch. Is strong. They're, they're, I mean, they're front four. You, could, you, you don't only have to rush four guys with them, and everybody else can play pass coverage. That's why I think they're going to have a, they're going to have an easier time against Alabama. Is to take away something. You got to take away something from Alabama. If you allow Alabama to run the ball up the up the gut and get you know ten yards a pop, and then the play action passes come in with their dynamic receivers, they're going to kill you. But I think Georgia's defense is is the best in the country. I think they're number one defense in the country, and that's why they're they're beating teams the way they are because of their defense. But let's just say let's say Georgia loses. Let's say Georgia loses an SEC championship game. The voters are going to put Georgia back in the playoff running. They're going to put. So you, you've got two SEC teams. So the Big Ten is going to sort itself out because Michigan State has to go play at Ohio State, and of course, the end of the year it's Ohio State and Michigan. So if Ohio State wins out, there'll be one loss. Oregon, if they went out, oh, will be one loss, and they beat Ohio State in Columbus. Listen, I mean, it could get badly. pretty messy. Listen, I, I, this is this. I always go to the eye test. This mm-hmm. is how I. I mean, this is how I judge things. Does Michigan State? How does Michigan State stack up against Georgia 
and Alabama. Those are the two prime teams right there because you got to be real. Those are the two best teams in college football, whether regardless if Alabama has one loss or not. They had to, they lost a game in Texas A&M against a very good Texas A&M team who's a top 10 mm-hmm. team in the country on the road, barely lost. So those two teams are your number one and number two teams, okay? And everyone else now you stack up and say, okay, how does Michigan State do against those two teams? I don't think very good. How does Ohio State do against those two teams? Better than I think the Michigan State. Um, Michigan, how do they do against those teams? I don't think Michigan does well against those teams either. So, And then Michigan still got to go to Ohio State. And so that could that could cancel one of those teams out completely. And that's why you got to kind of let it. It's early right now. Uh, things could change in the next couple of weeks. Cincinnati could lose a game that they're not supposed to lose. And the Sooners just keep handling their business. And we'll just, you know, we'll do it the old-fashioned way. We'll earn our way into the top Yeah, four. because if you've got two SEC teams, the Big Ten's going to get one team in. I don't know which one it's going to be. They'll get one, so that leaves one spot left. And, and you're hoping that an undefeated yes. Oklahoma yes. team will get well, that Well, and, and Mark, let's be real. Like, like let's, just bring, let's just bring a college football playoff in. Let's just bring the top 10 or 12 teams. Give the Let's go 12 teams. Let's give the number one and number two teams a bye in the first round, and the other the other ten teams have to play. And you can still keep your bowl system. You know, you still have the Orange Bowl, the Rose Bowl, because that was the big, the big argument. Oh, we'll lose the bowl system. You know what? People want to see a playoff because you have teams that are undefeated. Like go back to Central Florida. Was it US USF that was undefeated? Now, yeah, Scott Central Frost, Florida. Central Florida. UCF, yeah. They should have been in. If there was a playoff, they would have been in. Uh, they might have got blown out, but the chances of that happening because they were undefeated, people would like to see that people in florida would like to see that there are teams out there that could be two lost teams that could upset one of these teams you know i would like to see a playoff like i said have a 12 team playoff just like they do in like division one one a whatever it is where they have 16 teams we don't got to go 16 teams you just go 12 you know and then the first the number one and number two team get a rank get a get a buy and the other guys play, and then you keep your bowl system, the Cotton Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the Orange Bowl, uh, the Chick-fil-A Bowl, whatever bowls you want, you still have those bowls. The hot sauce bowl. The hot, give me That's the hot sauce bowl. a good time bowl. to let people the, know. Yeah, I mean. Illinois against UAB. It's coming up. Oh, Jesus. Okay, with puff puff pass over there with him. They, I mean, come on, man. I mean, it's got to be two losing records to be in the hot you sauce. Know, bowl. Listen, that's no, listen, no, for. that's what we call the toilet bowl. Yeah. That's, you know, you, you, you got a five and four record. That's what we call the toilet bowl. You play we're the elevating bowl. their program because it's our hot sauce. No, we want marquee games. Okay, that's how you. That's, that's right. we, we want to market the Sriracha Bowl. We want marquee. We want Alabama in the Sriracha Bowl. We want uh, Oklahoma in the Sriracha Bowl. We don't want. <laughs> yeah, we you're don't want Sriracha. I'm talking about our hot sauce. Oh, we're talking about give me the hot sauce. But I, I'm just saying, give me the hot sauce bowl we want grade a talent there That's okay right. we don't want it we know we're not gonna sell ourselves short we start off on nachos and move up to steak Oh, I'm done with this guy. We, ever since Kendra Lust interview, he I don't know what has happened to, to Timmy Whispers. He's no longer whispering America. He's actually talking. And thank you for Kendra Lust, who came on last week and had Tim speaking in tongues, basically. It was that hot shower afterwards. Yes, and he was sweating. As Mark and mentioned. He was sweating, and he had to leave the show. He missed segment three because he had to go home and shower yeah. and put some uh, uh, brute Fabergé on to get to another outing. Rate with canoe. You're staying. Power was not good. You were spent after no, that yeah, one segment. Yeah, yeah. So there he was. Wow. Hey, America, America, America. He was an actual minute man. He was only on the show for two minutes, and he was gone. Yes, Boy, you do the math. Punch. <laughs> no pun intended. Hey, there's one other big national story we want to get to before we get out of here, and then Tim goes off to parts unknown. Exactly. 
the Aaron Rodgers story. Oh, I, mean, I mean, we we've killed Kyrie Irving. We've killed other yes. people for the whole, you know, not being vaccinated. And and Aaron Rodgers tried to pull the wool over everybody's eyes by saying he was quote immunized when in effect he wasn't. And then what he told the Packers, I'm not sure, but he's violating NFL protocols by doing press conferences without a mask. He's interacting with teammates. He's talking to players from the other side wow. after the game. I mean, it's it's kind of. A, Complete, right complete reckless behavior. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was, to me, that's inexcusable because you know the protocol of the NFL. If you were strongly against taking the vaccine, then you should make that point and stand up. I don't want to take the vaccination, and I'm not going to play. Okay, take that stand, and people, whether you accept it or not, people would have to respect that, just like with Kyrie. He's not going to, you know, New York's not allowing him to play Mm -hmm. unless he gets vaccination, so therefore he's sitting out the season, okay, until they can work something out. Aaron Rodgers' reckless behavior, putting his teammates in danger, putting the people in front office in danger, the reporters that actually do interviews with him, other players after games when they go up and they shake hands. He just We were just talking, just when they played the uh, Cardinals the other day, he's talking to uh, Kyler Murray, and he's in his ear talking. I mean, you could have had COVID right then and there. Yeah. And then, you know, Kyler Murray gets it. Then he passes it on to someone. And maybe someone in his family dies from it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So so it, it was just it was just – it was uncalled for and it's reckless behavior and he should be fine for it. I mean, really, because you know, it's one thing cause you don't want to do it, but to lie and say you are immunized and you really are not. And then people are approaching you like you have the shot or you've been immunized. So, you know, they're talking to you. They're not afraid to come up to you. Uh, they're shaking your hand. You know, they're playing golf with you on off days, hanging out, having a beer with you here and there. And you've, you know, with the premise that you're, you, you've been vaccinated, that you're safe, but, but they're and, playing the chiefs. Yeah, is and, a better, and is there a better way to show that you're more valuable than Jordan Love than getting COVID? <laughs> yeah, but I don't think that was even his mindset. I think had he yeah. not, I think he thought. I don't know. Here's what I think he thought, and and I heard someone say this today on on ESPN. I think he thought that you know this is not going to hit me. You know, it's not COVID is not going to hit me, and and whether he believed it's it's true or not that there is this is COVID, I don't know because why else would you do what you've done? The man like, I mean, why else would you have done what you don't want? Why not get the vaccination? Why would yeah. you lie? And the whole thing started with their uh, practice squad quarterback, Kurt Bankert, reported that he tested positive for COVID. And then Aaron the next day. So, you know, the whole thing just gets uh, and how many? Crazy. How many? And, and think about this. You know, Devontae Adams was in the protocol mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. The other receiver uh, was in the protocol. They missed their top two receivers. Al Lazard, yeah. Yes, they missed their top two receivers with, with COVID. And who's to say, like, you know, because if you're a carrier, you know, and you're asymptomatic, you show no symptoms. You don't even know you have it. So you, you could have had it. You could have had it during when those guys got it because you're in the huddle with those guys. You're you're in meetings with those guys. Think about all the people that this is going to impact now. You know, yeah, and COVID's not gone from the sports world. Our, no. our guy, Larry Markinen, is in the health and safety yes. protocols. I mean, listen, just because you're vaccinated doesn't mean you can't get COVID. Right. You know, it, it, so you can't have this false security. But what it does do, it it, it, it combats it. Right. Where it doesn't hit you Symptoms as hard. Symptoms aren't as extreme. Exactly. It's not as extreme as if you didn't have the shot. So, you know, at the end of the day, there's, like, we talk about this all the time. There's going to be people who are for it. There's going to be people against it. You can only do what's right for yourself. For me, I need the vaccination because I'm around too many people. There's 20 some thousand people at the United Center. There's 25,000 people on the road in some of these arenas. I can't, me personally, because I've lost my brother from COVID, 
I've seen it work firsthand. I know it's real. Mm -hmm. So I can't put myself in a situation by not getting this vaccination, whether I believe in it or not. And I, I trust me, I'm just as nervous as anybody else. What it's going to be the long-term effects, you know, what can happen in five, 10, 15 years? You know, do I, do I grow another pair of lips on my forehead? Yeah, but you got the good stuff. It's whispers. It's got to work. Yeah. 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 I did get the good stuff. I did get the good stuff. Yeah. But thanks, Mark. Yeah. I mean, but <laughs> yeah, whisper took one for I'm the team. Suffering yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know what episode that was America, but uh, you know, whispers, uh, whispers is still here. Yeah. Still He's still with us. He's still with us. Abuse. He shoved me sideways, and I got jabbed with something else, some motor oil or something. Motor oil. I said, I said, wait, Tim, let me take this spot over here. You go over here. He's like, oh, no problem. Go ahead. And he, he went to my station, which... Yeah. It was, it was, it was, I think it was tainted. I still have, trying, a, I still have a festering lump you on know, my arm. I don't know what it is. There were flies buzzing yeah. around the top yeah, yeah, of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. And, they, and they were, they, and, the, and the person giving the shot had that look like, yeah, we got him. We got him. And not knowing that it our was meant for me. Yeah. And then, we got our and then control we got group. Our, yeah, we got our control group. It's one out of every four. He's the one out of every four. But it was supposed to be me. Yeah. And I got away. You know, because I told, I told the lady that I was white. I told him when I filled out the information, when they said your race, I put white, you know, with Stacy on it. Of course, Stacy sounds like a white, white person yeah. name. So I put white. And then when I got up to the desk to, to go get my uh, identification card, she says, uh, she laughs at me. She goes, oh my God, there must be a mistake here. And I knew what she was talking about. Yeah. I said, well, what was the mistake? She goes, well, it says you're white, but you're really African-American. And I said, No. I'm like, <laughs> and she goes, but clearly you're not. I go, I don't remember. Let's say her name was uh, Marianne. Marianne, just fill out the paperwork. Don't say another word. <laughs> just, and then I I'm said like, I was Chinese, and you're like, no, 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 he's not. Yeah, yeah, he was like, gonna yeah, say so yeah. Uncool. Yeah, he was. That was uncool. That was that yeah. was a little of a racial. Be careful. Side. Be careful. Yeah. Our whispers. Yeah, yeah. I'm he, trying. He, I'm he's trying. dancing yeah. on that line over there. You know what I'm saying? I'm walking on that razor's edge. Yeah, and that's why. And that's why they got him with the shot. Because you know, it's interesting that, that Stacy came up with Marianne for all the Gilligan's Islands. Oh, isn't that weird? Oh, man, yeah. Going back to Ginger Island, I was really a Ginger fan, but you know, as the years went along, the you know the you know the time wasn't really good to to Ginger. No. Marianne looked good even yeah. under six. She aged well, yeah. She aged really well. Ginger didn't age very well. I don't know if it was the smoking, <laughs> the cigarettes, the nightlife, but on Gilligan's Island, though. Yeah. Woo! Boy, if, we, if I'd have been on Gilligan's Island, there'd have been a lot of babies running around looking like Stacy on there. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> there'd have been Stacy Island, the Stacy King family island, because we would have had, because think about it, you're on the island for like yeah, years. Yeah, where are you going to go? Well, where are you going to yeah. go? Yeah. I mean, how many, how many coconut cream pies could you eat on Gilligan? Remember they used to make well, coconut cream pies? That's another pie? double entendre. Yeah, think about that. <laughs> they would have called me the professor for a different yeah. reason. <laughs> how many coconut cream pies could you actually make? And what were the yeah. ingredients? Now you go back and look, they always had these nice coconut cream pies yeah. Banana cream pies, and you're like, oh man, it looks so good. That's why I started eating banana cream pies when I was a kid because I saw it on Gilligan's Island, and they had the nice meringue on there. I'm like, how are they making this stuff? You know, you're on an island. There's no supplies there, but it's an easy you, bake oven. It's, it's, no. and what did Mr. <laughs> Howell do for a living? I want to oh, know. Oh, Mr. Howell, Mr. Howell, he was a, he was a millionaire. But he had some of that lost stock you were talking about earlier. Yeah, Dang. and then Lovey, 
Lovey, Mrs. Yeah. Howe. Maybe they were making banana cream pies. Back <laughs> <at home. laughs> and all the guest stars that came on the island, they never could and, get and off. Wait a minute. All the, all the guest <laughs> they, people they, came yeah. on. Yeah. They were able to get off. Yeah. But Gilly, no. we'll send someone to help you. Yeah. And no one ever came. No. Yeah, I was, I, I, I'm glad you brought that up, Mark, because yeah. that is true. All the guests, because there are hundreds of guests yeah, came yeah. on Gilligan's Island, and they just mysteriously popped up just on the island. left them behind. And they know? left them behind. It's like on Star Trek, when they had a different colored shirt, you yeah. knew they were dead within minutes. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's that. Those are, I mean, there's so a yellow shirt and you're yeah. done. Well, yeah. think about think about this. think about. I mean, think about like like leave it to Beaver. You know, when you when you go to leave it to Beaver and you see how nice Mrs. Mrs. Uh, Miss Beaver, Miss Cleaver was so yeah. nice to everybody. It's like I never saw somebody anybody's mom that nice when I was a kid. You know, their mom like get out of here, get off the furniture, don't throw the ball in the house, <laughs> get outside. Yeah, go wash your hands, you yeah. little shit. Like, hey, Miss Johnson, like oh, it's just so mean. You know, no one, none of the moms were like. Mrs. Cleaver. No, but no, there are no. plenty of Eddie Haskells. There was a lot of Eddie Haskells. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I got a lot of friends with Eddie Haskells. Like, they, you couldn't trust them guys. Smile in your face. And we call them Eddie Rascals. <laughs> this guy over here. Well, the show's completely gone off the <laughs> it's rails. It's gone off the rails like so, always. I think it's almost time to get out of here because our sound engineer, Pavel, has big plans yeah, he's tonight. Got big so plans tonight. <laughs> we don't, and we, America, we don't want to hold America, him up on that. America. I must break you. Let me tell you something. Pavel's done, done a great job. He's been filling in the last two weeks. Yeah. He's done an awesome job. He's, you know, he's a slash. Uh, you know, DJ, he's a slash comedian and he's a slash lover. Yeah, and, the third, and the third, the third thing I just said, basically he needs to get home quickly because Phil Collins, he's because, an easy lover. Yeah. Cause you know what America, she likes it too. <laughs> and Powell's going home. And if you're watching if on YouTube, it. you can tell by Stacy's uh, choice of hat wear today. Salute to the Atlanta Braves. You're 2021 baseball champion. America. I just want to nice say one. I supported them. From the very start, I knew they were going to win this year. And uh, this is why I'm wearing the hat. As you notice, if you watch some of the episodes, I was sporting this hat. I had the White Sox winning too, but they got beat in the first round, so I had to dump that hat. <laughs> and I jumped on the bandwagon. The Atlanta Braves. Dun, 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 dun. Salute to the Braves. Salute. And their all-star first baseman, Freddie Freeman. Freddie that great Freeman. clip with uh, Anthony Rizzo where he had him in the rundown. Frederick! Frederick! Oh, man. <laughs> Freddie Freeman, baby. So salute to Freddie Freeman and the Braves. It is time to bring down the curtain on episode 53 of Gimme the Hot Sauce. Stacey, you got a message for the folks. Yes, drive home safely, Chicago. And wait a minute, before we go, remember, go to GiveMeTheHotSauce.com and make sure you grab your bottle of hot sauce because it's going to be a very, very hot season for the Bulls. And what better way to make it even hotter? It's getting cold, so it's it's time to heat things up. You got to get the hot sauce. Got to get the hot sauce. (laughs) Woo! And she'll like it, too. Great job, Pavel. We appreciate it. We'll see you next week with a brand new edition of the show. Get buckets. Oh, my goodness. Give me the hot sauce, Bill.